The Data Reaper podcast is a companion which provides extra insight into the weekly report found at ViciousSyndicate.com. Join us for a deeper dive into the numbers to help you improve your Hearthstone game. Hello and welcome to episode 145 of the Data Reaper podcast. I am Corbett and joining me today, it's Gadget Zach Auctioneer. How you doing, Zach? How you doing, Corb? You stole that from Discord. I did not steal it. I It was a request. I was requested to use that today. And why would I turn down such a good deal uh, from the members of the Discord giving me such a good free nickname like that? Yeah, to be honest, it was a really good deal. Um, yeah, um, we had the miniset launch full of Ulduar with the Yogg Saron. Very impactful card on the meta. We'll talk about where he's most impactful and things are happening there's also an expectation of a balance patch happening this week uh it's team five are very consistent with balance patches and it's very easy to predict when they happen there's a content patch and then you can count eight to 14 days later usually eight to ten usually it's the thursday after uh, the week after a content patch that happens on tuesday there will be a balance patch. I expect something on the 28th. We have a report on the 28th as well, and we have no plans of canceling that because the insight that are going to be provided uh, by the report are still very important. Um, Even if the meta shakes up significantly from balance changes, and I do expect significant shakeups uh, from balance changes, I expect a big patch uh, for standard, wild, and twist too. We'll talk about twist at the end of this uh, uh, podcast because we've also had a twist report last week. I took advantage of the fact that we had a free week uh, without a standard report, and we published a twist report on Thursday. And as I've hinted in the past. Twist is a busted format that requires balance changes. Uh, it's one of the funniest formats uh, you, you'll you ever read about. So check it out. Basically, I posted five deck lists. There really is nothing else to play there because uh, the top four classes are so much better than the bottom five. It's not even like there's no there's nothing to, to play other than those five decks um so i expect that will be addressed as uh next month uh, the format will stay the same but have the ability to go with 40 cards and 40 life up to 40 cards and 40 life um which is only going to make rogue for example better uh and warrior is also i don't think minds that too much so they're going to get hit for sure alongside Warlock uh, and Hunter. But regardless of that, uh, Standard is also has its own format and lots of things are happening. So, yeah, the um, the next next month's format and twist is very much same, same, but different. And that's kind of what we're saying at Standard a little bit when it comes to the first class. Same, same, but different. So, Zach, tell me about Warrior. Yeah, so Sanitize... You know, we had a mini set, a comprehensive mini set preview, um, and our expectations 
was that Sanitize was going to be a hugely impactful card for Control War Europe because, on paper, it addresses its primary weakness. Uh, Warrior is really good at dealing with early boards. It's really good at, um, you know, has really good late game damage and its win condition is very powerful. The one thing Warrior did not have was a great late game board clear. Uh, Brawl is what it had. That's the best that it had. And it's okay. It was serviceable. But it couldn't consistently deal with things like Sargeras. Um, it couldn't consistently deal with things like Relic of Phantasm's late game against Relic Demon Hunter. Or, you know, all kinds of big boards that the opponent builds up in order to prevent you from being able to even play Odin. Like, that is, like, the way that you attack the warrior is to pressure them to the point where they constantly have to fend themselves fend off aggression uh, and not have the ability to play the 8-mana 8-8. Eight eight. Like, that, they, they're never comfortable to do, uh, doing that. That's the way to beat Warrior in a late game. And Sanitize provides them with that mass board clear, like corpse explosion type of board clear that, you know, on paper, it has a finite amount of damage. But it's not really. It's like you can deal infinite damage, essentially, right, with it. Uh, because it's it's a mass board. It's like a re it's a reckless fury a flurry, and and that card was very impactful for Odd Warrior back in the day. And sanitizes as even better in a way because it, it you can preload it with armor, and you don't lose the armor that you gain. Um, so it, it just fixes that one weakness in Warrior, and the result is that Warrior right now almost has no weaknesses. Uh, if you look at its matchup spread core, check it out. It's matchup spread in the gold app, in the live app. Uh, look at its legend matchup spread. Insane. Like, boot it up. Just just check it out. It just, its matchup is spread is insane. It just, the only counter that, the only consistent counter that Control Warrior has right now is Chad Warlock. It no longer loses to Control Warlock. That matchup went to 50-50, it's 50-50 now because of Sanitize. Uh, and it just beats up on decks. And yeah, Chad Warlock is the only way uh, to consistently beat it because Chad Warlock is able to build incredibly sticky boards that even Sanitize cannot overcome. Or it's not enough, uh, you know, to, to get through and get to your... Because be between the... Uh, imposing an Ubisoft and the Flesh Behemoth and the Sargeras. There's a lot of ways to protect yourself from Odin and a lot of ways to pressure the warrior so that they cannot play Odin. So that's a one matchup that Control Warrior cannot handle very well. Everything else, fair game. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of green. A lot of green that I'm looking at here, Zach, and then it's like the one blemish. But if, And some of these greens are very dark. This looks like it's dominating some the matchups um, quite significantly. Like, these are no longer 50-50s, 60-40s. These are like 65-35s in a lot of situations. Yeah, it's incredibly dominant because it's, like, Sanitize gave it, uh, uh, the, again, the late-game board clear to, to, like, soak pressure. And if you play Odin, and then you gain armor and sanitize. It's so devastating that, you know, 
like opponents just cannot handle it consistently enough. Um, it, it just so it, it's so powerful and it's absolutely getting nerfed. This is a prime nerf candidate. You look at his matchup spread; it's insane. It has something has to be done about it. Uh, and on top of that, it also got another board clear, which is Yogg, <laughs> because Control Warrior is playing Yogg Saron, and Yogg Saron makes a lot of sense in that deck since it's very spell heavy. It doesn't have a lot of minions, and you play Chorus Rift, so you tutor the Yogg quite consistently. Control Warrior isn't too fast to discount it. But if it can get it to seven mana around that, it's already good enough. You get the, the, the mass hysteria effect, the mind control effect. Again, more ways to soak pressure. And that allows you to, to play Odin uh, comfortably and close out the game. So, uh, you know, the build, there's a from the depth build. That's the common build. From the depths works well with Yogg. There's synergy there. Uh, so people have opted for for from the depth before the patch. Uh, from the depth was not the best build, but after the patch, it looks like it is because of the synergy with Yogg, the synergy with Sanitize. Um, it just uh, it just makes sense now to to run from the depth, and yeah, Warrior is just busted. There's there's not much else to say other than this is the probably the best deck in the game. Considering that it's a top tier deck throughout all of ladder, including top legend, it is tier one. Nothing seems to be able to touch it uh, at the moment. Again, just chat is the only way to beat it consistently. Warrior, obviously, just incredibly dominant, and um, I'm not that upset about it right now. But um, we'll see. We'll see where things land uh, when the eventual patch comes. Yeah, uh, it's gonna get nerfed. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what what gets nerfed. Uh, we'll speculate, but. Uh, um, I think, yeah, Warrior is just too good and it's probably getting nerfed. Uh, there's no way you look at its matchup spread and say, this is okay, we're not doing anything. Uh, there's also some Enrage, very little of it. I do think Enrage looks promising, but again, most people do not care much, but there's new builds with uh, Battle One Faceless. And basically what you do is, I'm seeing more of a combo direction for Enrage Warrior where you run Craze Wretched, Wretched and you run Grom. So you have all the charge minions, and then you run uh, uh, Battle Worn Faceless too, so you have more charge damage. Uh, so you can, like, you buff a Wretch, and you copy it with Faceless, powerful finishing potential. Uh, so there's some some direction that looks very promising, and Rage would look looks like a... A powerful deck based on its low sample size, but again, it's a low play rate. Most of the focus is on control, as is usual, uh, this expansion. Yeah, and I'm assuming that it makes space for that by cutting the Rift package, I would guess? Uh, yeah, uh, there's uh, the, the, the recent builds cut to Rifts, which is really interesting, considering that Rift package, um, you know, has consistently been like a foundation for Warrior decks ever since it got buffs. Uh, got buff, but now I'm seeing cutting the rift package for more burst, more charge damage with uh, faceless. It also makes sense to cut the rift package because chorus rift doesn't work well with faceless. Uh, we talked about it in the preview that faceless doesn't have the best synergy with the rift package because of chorus rift, and it's a it's slightly surprising, but maybe not that surprising that the solution is just to cut the rift package. 
And Faceless is that good in this deck that it works. It makes it, you make it work that way. So yeah, no rifts, more charge damage. That's the direction that Enrage Warrior is taking. Uh, and it's a good deck. If you like Enrage Warrior, it's definitely doing well right now. Warlock. Warlock um, is a class that, uh, you know, looked uh, quite good um, before the mini set and also looks good after the mini set, but there are some small changes. So Chad Warlock, I think, has grown more powerful compared to pre-mini set because the warrior matchup has become super important, right? Super impactful. Control Warrior is the most popular deck throughout ladder. And Chad Warlock is the only counter. And not only is it the only counter, it is a very hard counter. You're looking at 65 to 70% win rate against Control Warrior. And in addition to that, Chad Warlock also does well against new faces like Miracle Druid. Talk about Miracle Druid later. But Chad Warlock, because it has such a sticky board with taunts, uh, it's also very effective against decks that rely on Ignis to win. Because if there's a Flesh Behemoth in the way, and imposing an Anubisoth in the way, or a Sargeras in the way, um, then, yeah, it's hard to get to your face. So it's kind of similar. Uh, for a similar reason why it's very good against Control Warrior, it's pretty decent against Miracle Druid. Um, so... Chad Warlock looks really powerful. It looks like the best Warlock deck right now. Uh, and it looks top tier. Do you think it's wrong to say that Chad Warlock is just generally pretty historically polarizing? Like, I'm looking at some of its matchup spreads compared to, you know, like, I'm looking at the Control Warrior matchup, incredibly dominant, like, Plague Death Knight, Death Knight in general, incredibly dominant. And then it's kind of getting bullied like crazy against, like, I don't know, Mech Rogue and Naga Mage. It looks like its matchups are generally highly favored or highly unfavored. Or, uh... Chad Warlock is historically polarizing. It's been polarizing this entire expansion. Yeah. Uh, earlier this expansion, if you remember when Chad Warlock was kind of struggling... It was because it, it got stomped. Uh, it tends to either win hard or lose hard uh, to things like, for example, Control Priest because of the silence effects or Macro because it has not the early game removal. It cannot prevent the snowballing of the rogue. And yeah, it, it, like if it doesn't have the good, the best tools for a matchup, it tends to get stomped. And, and it's a, it is a very polarizing deck. It, it, like it's... Its game plan is very polarizing, right? Uh, amorphous slime into a flesh behemoth that you know gets you a chat. If you can't deal with that as an opponent, then you just lose. But if you deal with that, then Chadwalla kind of has nothing else to do. Like, okay, this is what I do. If you counter that, then I'm done. So Chadwalla is polarizing for sure. It, it's a deck that that tends to have uh, extreme matchups. It's not too bad, but. It is pretty significant, and it is reliant on queuing into the right matchup. And when you look at Control Warrior now being the most dominant deck in the game, then obviously that helps Chad because it's it's the best. It's the only counter, and it's an extremely hard counter. So Chad Warlock looks very powerful, and it's a deck that I would recommend if you're sick. If you're seeing constantly seeing warriors on your ladder climb, then Chad Warlock is like an easy way to farm them. Uh, it's a very good go-to deck for that purpose. Um, now, Control Warlock is still, it's a good deck, but it, it, I think it lost some steam. And the main reason why it lost some steam 
is that it no longer beats Warrior. It, it does not win that matchup anymore. It doesn't lose that matchup. It's 50-50. But it doesn't win that matchup anymore. And even though it's it's still a good deck, uh, um, especially, you know, at lower ranks of ladder, I think at, you know, Warlock tends to fall off at higher levels of play. We've, we've seen that before the mini set. And it's also happening right now. I think, you know, Control Warlock is going to be that deck that's like, Tier 1 at lower ranks, then it, it relaxes to Tier 2, and then the top legend is going to be like Tier 3. It's not going to be very good. Uh, but the, the other thing that I think is more dramatic is that the fact that it doesn't beat Warrior anymore uh, might dent its play rate too. Uh, like, it's not it's not as popular as it was before the mini set, maybe, or as prevalent because it's no longer the answer to Warrior. Uh, and that may reflect in its play rate. Uh, when you look at Curse Warlock, for example, Curse Warlock before the mini set didn't even beat Warrior. It was 50-50. And now it seems to be losing that matchup. So Warrior against everything but Chad, against Warlock with Sorgeras, gain percentages. It went from slightly unfavored against Control Warlock to even. And now from even against Curse Warlock, it's slightly favored. So there's really no great reason to play Curse Warlock, and it's the worst uh, out of the three, uh, and it just doesn't doesn't seem to have a a really good role in the meta. It's not bad, but again, it's a it's a deck out of the three Warlock deck. It's the worst performing one. It also has the lowest skill cap. All of them are below average when it comes to skill cap. Warlock decks are very comparable to like pure Paladins and Hound Hunter. Uh, before it got gutted, uh, these decks, uh, or Arcane Hunter, these decks fall off significantly at top legend. Uh, and normally you associate it to, to aggressive decks that fall off, but Warlock falls off just as hard. So when it comes to like, Curse Warlock at top legend is unplayable. You're not going to see people play that deck because it just it's like tier four. Uh, it just doesn't work. Um, against, you know, lower MMR players, the, the Curse plan works better because... They're not as good at understanding that how to play as the beatdown in that matchup in decks that normally are not the beatdown decks. Uh, like it's often that macro understanding uh, leads to very different results uh, between lower and uh, uh, upper rank brackets. And Curse Warlock kind of does that, where it uh, uh, forces uh, uh, players to play a different role to what they're accustomed to with their deck. And top legend players are much better at understanding macro uh, than lower MMR players, and and that's the the result. Um, Imp Warlock, Imp Warlock is kind of funny. So Imp Warlock has completely tanked in its win rate, and you would think, okay, maybe it just got worse. And it's not exactly that it got worse. Uh, the thing about Imp Warlock is that there are the old iterations are okay. Uh, you know the iterations that. Run the fatigue package, the normal fatigue package, with you know a top end of Sargeras and the Symphony of Sins. That's fine, but there are new iterations that run Encroaching Insanity. You know, you take in Porlock and you just add Encroaching Insanity with Lady Darkvein, and you know to accelerate the fatigue package to maybe combo kill an opponent, and you add that package and you lose like. 15, 20% in the win rate. Overall, I'm not saying you lose. No, you go from a deck that's like, 
maybe tier two, maybe tier three, to a deck that doesn't work with a 30% win rate. Uh, because encroaching insanity, turns out, just kills you. You just, you just kill yourself. Uh, because you don't have, you have Harp and Void Virtuoso. But encroaching insanity as a card does nothing. Like, as a card by itself, it does little to nothing. And when you run it alongside the Fatigue package, even though it makes the Fatigue cards better on paper, it just ends up, you just end up killing yourself. You don't have very reliable ways to protect yourself, and the card also does nothing by itself, so you're, you're playing an aggressive deck, so adding a combo win condition is kind of awkward. Sounds like Team 5 absolutely nailed the flavor of the card name then, Zach, Encroaching Insanity. It is absolutely insane to play this card in Imp Warlock. Uh, turns out, like I understand the idea, we thought about it too, but it just doesn't work. And when you look at the aggregate, it just completely tanks Imp Warlock's performance. And I think that a clean Imp Warlock is okay, but not this. Uh, so yeah, encroaching insanity does not work well in Imp Warlock or probably in any Warlock because it's not like defensive Warlock decks have better tools to utilize with uh, with that combo uh you just that combo does not work well because you just kill yourself well we have to give the imp warlock players some credit zach as, as an aggressive deck mini set came out they were ready to experiment um and is that true for our next class with with rogue were they ready to experiment yeah um no <laughs> because mech rogue <laughs> is just uh they're just running the same card so you know the mini set brought in a couple cards that you maybe potentially run in mech rogue but the mech rogue players just don't care they just didn't buy them, and he said they just skipped it, and they run the same cards. Giga chats. Absolute giga chats. <laughs> Who needs new cards? Yeah, it's just the same cards, and I'm not, I'm not seeing much of a... I'll look into it. I'll look into it. But I'm not seeing much of, you know, uh, Assembly and Tiny world, world Breaker. I'm not seeing much of these cards. Maybe they're not good, or maybe nobody cares to try them, but it, it, it's possible that it's a combination of both. Um, but Rogue, lots of things are happening in Rogue. It's like, Mech Rogue, yeah, it's like, it's tier one, it's good. It it loses to Warrior, though. Uh, but that didn't stop it from being tier one before the mini set. Uh, it's still a very powerful deck, and I think that considering how good it's been for such a long time, it's a deck that's likely to get nerfed. Uh, in some capacity, because it's been tier one for a very long time. Uh, and also, its play experience is not the best, right? It's very snowbally. On top of that, if you're nerfing Warrior, if your net plan is to nerf Warrior, which is probably what's going to happen, then, you know, Macro is only going to get better. So you probably need to do something about this deck, uh, but nothing about its card choices change. The deck that did change is Miracle Group. And there's a lot of hype around tentacles and Yogg in Miracle Rogue. And I can confirm that Yogg is a very, very powerful card in Miracle Rogue. In fact, it is the best card in Miracle Rogue. Miracle Rogue just got a card that is the best card. And it's by far the best card in Miracle Rogue. And it is so good. Yogg is so good that... It can potent. It might even make you know a 
non-mech shell, because you know, the established Miracle Rogue build is the Mimiron kind of small mech package build. Yag is so good that it might like make the spell based build that doesn't have mechs in it, maybe even better than the mech build. I cannot confirm this. I'll have to look into it, but maybe they're equal power. Maybe it's a, they're two variants that, you know, you can pick and choose what you want, but the Yog, and you probably run Yog in the mech build too, but you might not even need the mech package because Yog is that good. That, that's, that's kind of my point here. Um, the thing that's not good in Miracle Rogue are the tentacles. The tentacles are a waste of time. Uh, Chaotic Tendril is not worth running. Tentacle Grip is fine because it's two mana, three damage. The Tendril doesn't matter that much. It's okay, but you don't like you don't really care about it. It doesn't need you don't need it. But running Chaotic Tendril or running like Eye of Chaos is nonsense. Like these cards are not good. It's not worth running. It's not worth playing Tendril in order to shadow step it, in order to accelerate. This is something that I've done. This is the thing that I've done after the mini set launch. I've played Miracle Rogue with Tentacles. This is what I wanted to do. I just wanted to play Tentacles, of course. I wanted to play with Tentacles. And it was fun. But, you know, I slowly realized that the Tendrils were not what were was winning me the game. It was just Yogg. And sometimes you play Yogg. And you fill your hand with tendrils, and that's okay. And you can bounce Yog and, and all that. That's that's cool. Yog is good, but tendrils not worth it. So in the report, I'll likely have you know the mech build and then the more spell-heavy build. And that build probably doesn't run chaotic tendril, it definitely doesn't run eye of chaos, and it probably doesn't run breakdance either, because as cute as Breakdancing Yog is, and I've done that, and I know it's fun, guys. Breakdance is not a good card for this deck. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, a card that I do want you guys to try out, very promising low sample, is Prison Breaker. Try Prison Breaker in this deck, because Prison Breaker, based on the sample that I have, looks very promising, and I'm going to look into Prison Breaker uh, because it's it's good for Miracle Rogue. You get AOE. Like if if Miracle Rogue has Prison Breaker on top of Yogg, it has so like so many ways to come back to the game, so many ways to clear boards now. That makes Miracle Rogue potentially very good. Now the problem is that the Warrior matchup is really tough. It looks like 35-65 right now. That's really harsh. However, I do think that a refined Miracle Rogue that doesn't, you know mess around with tendrils and tentacles because part of the problem is that you're just playing inefficient cards that don't reliably pressure the, the warrior. If you can make a build that pressures better, I think that matchup is not going to be as bad as it currently looks. So uh, try Prison Breaker in the build. Cut the tendrils, cut the definitely Eye of Chaos. Don't touch that card. Uh, run good Miracle Rogue with Yogg. And Tentacle Grip is okay. But just forget about the tentacles. And it's unfortunate because I really love tentacles and I wanted to make them work, but it just it just doesn't work. Uh, so that's for Miracle Rogue. And again, if Miracle Rogue gets refined, I think that deck is high MMR could potentially be a tier two. 
It's at least tier three. Worst case scenario, it's tier three because of the warrior matchup, but I can see it being better than that. Um, it, it just needs to fix the, the, the warrior matchup, just improve it by a bit and it's going to get there. Yeah, my, my assumption is, like, if you get Prison Breaker, which, um, you know, if that does seem very, very good, and you get that, and Yogg, and then Tentacle Grip is another playable card, like, that's a big upgrade for a mini set, right? Like, you, you're getting multiple cards that are, like, very, uh, very, very powerful, and, you know, it, it does seem like Miracle Rogue has a ton of potential, um, especially in a world post-nerfs, right? Because I can't imagine that Miracle Rogue is going to be... Uh, hit in any way that i can see like even not even thinking about miracle Rogue being targeted by if, it, if it's collateral damage from another deck i don't think it gets hit in any capacity right no because yog is not getting nerfed they're not gonna nerf yog yeah so as long as yog is not getting nerfed then miracle Rogue will be fine uh so yeah i think miracle Rogue has potential i think it's a decent deck uh just uh take out the tentacles run probably prison breaker i really want to see more data on this card and it can probably do work. Uh, or alternatively, if you really like uh, Memoron and the mech package, still, throwing Yogg into that deck, it's probably going to be the best card. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so Yogg is an absolute game changer. And yeah, cool. Uh, Miracle Rogue is back on the map. Uh, it, it's a deck that seen much more interest. Uh, you know, it was pretty much dead before the mini set. So, so Yogg really helped it, you know... Uh, I, you know, gain interest and attraction. And I do want to say, like, for me, it, it's great that Miracle Rogue is back thanks to Yogg because it, it's just a perfect card for, for the archetype uh, because it's spell heavy and the fact that Miracle Rogue struggles with comebacks sometimes because it kind of likes to, you know, it snowballs off of Graveyard, but if you overwhelm it on the board, it kind of doesn't, doesn't have a good way to come back from that because it doesn't have a UE. But Yogg gives it that AoE. And sometimes you can Yogg and Shadow Step it. Um, and you, you, you and it gives you late game value too with the Tendrils. The Tendrils off of Yogg are not too bad, right? Like It's just that the Tendril is a constructed card with a gem that you put in your deck is not is not worth it. I just uh I, I just thought about something funny where you could Yogg steal a card and then Shadow Step that back. I hadn't seen anyone do that, but I'm only just realizing it now. There could be some cool plays with that. Oh really? Yeah. I've done it with Sargeras. I stole an opponent Sargeras, and then I Shadow Step the Sargeras, and I yeah I did that. That was really cool, and I won that game. Uh, it, it it's uh yeah it has it has a lot of potential. Now the Breakdance is very tempting because of it. You want more bounces, so I can always bounce the Yogg. But the breakdance is bad, guys. It's just not good. Maybe if you run Prison Breaker, probably not. Anyway, uh, next class, we have Druid. And Druid is another one that, you know, he's been uh, dominating the discourse um, with uh, the new iteration of Miracle Druid, which is a deck that's very unique. Uh, Auctioneer isn't constructed. You play Auctioneer with a ton of cheap spells. You have Contaminated Lasher that's able to refresh your Mana Crystals. You already have Funnel Cake, which refreshes Mana Crystals. So the critical mass of Mana Refresh ability allows Auctioneer to often draw your whole deck very early on. Refresh Mana. Uh, they Then you, you, you play Ignis. And you get a Wind Fury weapon on the same turn, alongside with, you know, attack buffs 
And then you just kill your opponent. And sometimes this deck can just draw its whole deck. Like you draw your whole deck and you OTK the opponent on turn five, turn six. It happens with alarming consistency. And it happens enough. It happened enough for Aleko to tweet out that they're coming for Miracle Druid. Uh, because And people were wondering, oh, this deck, you know, it's just been a couple of days. Why are we nerfing this deck so early? Well, the play experience is horrible. It's basically Naga Mage, but even more, like, even more egregious than Naga Mage because, uh, you know, the opponent just turns into an NPC that just watches them as they fling, like, 30 cards. It also quite consistently can OTK as early as turn 5, turn 6, which is something that you you cannot have in the game. Uh, in, in, in Definitely not. Like, in Wild, it's a problem. So if it happens in standard, then, you know, you have to get rid of it. And on top of it, it's performance. Uh, you know, people have said, oh, but it's not even good. Mm. Well, guys. Yeah, it's uh, good. I'm going <laughs> to. Go on. Yeah. So here's the thing. <laughs> there were the first iterations of Miracle Druid in the first like 24 hours looked bad. The deck looked like tier four. Everywhere on ladder. It looked tier four. Then a new card entered the picture, Harmonic Mood. It seems innocent, but Harmonic Mood is its damage. And the availability of Harmonic Mood means that you're far more consistent in executing Ignis OTKs. Just damage, having damage to close out games. And once that card started to be played, that deck's win rate spiked. Now, I will say, this deck is Naga Mage. At Everywhere except top legend, it's garbage. It's not good. It doesn't perform well. Because people, because it's very APM intensive, it's very difficult to pilot, relatively. Uh, it's a Naga Mage. At top legend, its win rate is rising. And it's rising in an alarming pace. It's already positive win rate. So uh, three days ago, it was like tier three. Now it's already comfortably tier two. I wouldn't be surprised if we waited another week. It might spike to tier one because of, again, high skill cap decks take time to learn. And you give them like a week or two and their win rate steadily rises until saturation. The point where most players at top legend have learned the ins and outs of the deck at a decent enough level that they cannot you know, significantly improve on top of that. But it takes more time because the deck is very skill intensive, right? So the deck's winner is spiking. And if you give it more time, we don't know where this ends. But at the very least, it's tier two at top legend. And considering that its play rate is close, it's already over 15% of that bracket. Like that's where, that's the pace that it might eclipse 15% play rate. With this kind of play experience of your, like the opponent is an NPC, and sometimes you get, not sometimes, often, you get OTK'd on turn six, five. This has to be deleted. You cannot have this in the game. So the fact that team five respond very quickly, they probably saw, realize, that the deck's performance at high MMR is accelerating, and they said, we can't have this in the game and this is a good thing, guys, that they did this this early. Because if you let this deck exist 
for like, imagine you let this deck exist for a few weeks, then high MMR becomes just complete solitaire meta. Complete solitaire meta. And another thing that I want to say about Miracle Druid, its performance against Control Warrior is also improving to the point where it might have a slight edge in that matchup. I saw that matchup start out as slightly warrior favored, and then over the last couple of days, it went 50-50. Now, might be 55-45 for the Miracle Druid. Who knows where this ends? Like, maybe, you know, some top legend player tells me, oh, this, this matchup is actually super favored for the Druid. People just don't know how to play it. I don't know. But it looks like another deck that beats Warrior. And if it does, this is going to be all you see at top legend. So, Yeah, this is all I've been playing for days. Um... Like, I, I don't often stream standard. Like, I play it and stuff. Like, I, I keep my 11x and, you know, I do my legend climb. But since wild and twist are so bad, don't worry, we'll talk about that later. Um, I've been playing nothing but standard, and I've been playing nothing but this deck. And it is so fun. I hit top 100 for the first time in standard in forever. Um, and, yeah, I, I have been feeling more and more confident. I'm at, like, 150 games on it. Against Warrior, right? Like, you're talking about it. Like, overall... Um, I'm very clearly favored in in that in terms of record. Like the recent version I've been playing, it was like eight and four as well. Overall, it's like twenty six nineteen. Um, like I I feel really confident that this is probably tier one, and like I'm getting better at it. The play base is getting better at it, and at the same time, it's getting targeted. Like the win rate and play rate are spiking while people are freaking out and targeting. I've seen more speaker stompers in the past week, in the past few days in standard than I saw ever in standard. I've seen more. Uh, like, this Glacial Shards? Like, Glacial Shards started popping up? Yeah, people are playing Glacial Shards to stop the Ignis OTK. Just to keep, so you can't attack. Uh, it's, it's crazy. So, the fact that, again, it's Winery is spiking, despite people are, like, completely panicking over this deck and trying to tag all sorts of things against it. Stompers and Glacial Shards. And the Winery is still rising. It's, this deck is absolutely a problem. Uh, this deck is stronger and more dangerous than Steeler Warlock back in early Stormwind. You remember Steeler Warlock where everybody was hyping it and it was a high skill cap deck and it often OTK'd on turn five. I see very similar vibes with Miracle Druid and it looks even better than Steeler did because Steeler Warlock never broke 50% win rate at top legend. It didn't really break 50% win rate. Uh, and this is already breaking and it's approaching tier one potentially within like a week it's not going to get there because they're going to nerf it before it happens but i'm saying that this deck is absolutely a problem uh and again it's already more popular and more powerful than naga mage ever was this expansion uh so that's another thing because i kept saying uh, you know uh Aleko talked about tweeting about nerfing miracle Dread, and a lot of people said haha what about naga mage though well, that's your answer. It is more popular and better than Naga Mage ever was over the last month. So, and also they didn't have, we'll talk about balance. I'm, I'm leaking discussions about balance, but this deck is dangerous. This deck absolutely needs to, something needs to be done about it. Again, it's garbage outside of Top Legend. But, you know, High MMR Ladder is the window of Hearthstone. People stream, everybody plays. You, you go into a stream, you go into Fino's stream, you go into McBanter's face stream, you go into Savic's stream. And what do you see? You see a druid plays with himself on turn five, six, flings, 30 cards, OTKs, good night. You can't have that. 
I'm sorry, Corb, you can't have this. Oh, that's what I was going to say, is that I think the appeal for me is that this is a wild it's deck. It's a wild deck. It's a wild deck that's it's not going to stand it. Exactly. <laughs> like, I'm this loving it. This is why Corb is playing it. Now, I, I replaced the host. I replaced the host. We replaced, we had to replace the host because Hat left for Team 5. And Hat would play one drops. He would play an aggro decks. He would play honest <laughs> decks. You don't know, Corb, guys. If you don't know this guy, this guy only plays dishonorable decks. He plays OTK decks, solitaire decks. This is his thing. So when Corb likes a standard deck, it needs to get nerfed. That's actually pretty true. <laughs> that's, yeah, right? that's accurate. If Corb, if you get Corb to play standard, that means this is a wild deck needs to get nerfed. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so Miracle Druid, very dangerous deck. And again, comparison, best, best comparison I can give it. Steeler Warlock from Stormwind, but better. Uh, this is what I would say about it. So oh, it's so awesome. It's so sick. It's gonna die. But oh well. Yeah. So yeah, it's probably gonna get nerfed. Auctioneer. I mean, is, is getting hit. It's really funny that we're nerfing Auctioneer nine years after its last nerf. Yeah, I tweeted that out. It's crazy. Like a decade of like <laughs> it, it kind of actually made me evaluate Hearthstone as a whole product, as a whole entity, right? Like it's such a such a huge thing that it's ten years later basically, and we're revisiting the card. Because the critical mass of mana refresh mechanics. Like they they gave them they gave Druid Funnel Cake in a mini set, and then the following mini set they give them Lasher. Now, mana refresh are okay. There are the the effect is not a problem by itself. The effect becomes a problem when you combine it with bulk draw. And Auctioneer is a card that, you know, can draw the whole deck, right? Its ceiling of draw is infinite. It's not like a card that, you know, it's an arcane intellect or even if it draws four cards. Auctioneer draws the whole deck. And that enables the degeneracy to occur. So uh, you have to deal with that. You cannot nerf every mana refresh card in that Druid ever gets. Druid is gonna only gonna get more mana refresh cards in the future, and that is fine. It's just that Auctioneer is in a unique position where its ceiling of draw is infinite. So if you keep supporting it with mana refresh, it's just gonna draw the whole deck uh, consistently. Uh and that's a problem. So yeah, they're gonna deal with that. So uh other druid decks. There are other druid decks, it turns out. Uh Moonbeam Druid. You know, uh, Corb, Miracle Rogue might, uh, Miracle Druid might get deleted. But if it does, then I suggest uh, switching. If you want to keep playing standard, I suggest switching to Moonbeam Druid. And uh, because it's also kind of a solitary OTK deck. It's less, uh, there's more setup here. It's not as uh, silly playing like uh, 20 cards a turn. But Moonbeam Druid, I'm seeing significant changes. Moonbeam Druid before the mini set, trash. Not a good deck. Um, you know, it had favored matchup against a couple of things, but it got stomped by minions mostly. It got stomped by aggression. Uh, it had issues there. But I'm seeing ways to fix that. How do you fix that? Yog. How also do you fix that? Prison Breaker. Prison Breaker and Yog. Put that in Moonbeam Druid, and that deck is competitive. Um, and that deck doesn't run Auctioneer, and that deck's probably not getting nerfed, and it's got potential. I'm seeing potential for Moonbeam Druid to be competitive, and those cards are game changers for the archetype. I'm not sure where it lands, like, I'm not sure how good it is, but I think it's going to be at least tier 3. Compared to before, where it was, like, always tier 4, 
Uh, I think it might become a tier three deck, at least if not better than that. Once uh, the build that runs Yogg and Prison Breaker takes over. In fact, right now on ladder, nobody runs double Prison Breaker Yogg. Uh, I see a, I, there's a build that runs one Yogg and one Prison Breaker. Obviously, I, I would run two Prison Breakers. Uh, because what Prison Breaker does is it dresses the weakness. What is the weakness? Early board swarming aggression. And now you have a four mana, four four, that deal three damage. Also includes face damage, would help, which helps your late game, because uh, you don't have infinite damage with this deck. You can have a lot of damage, but you don't have infinite. So even the chip damage from Prison Breaker can help, and it's very good. It also runs Funnel Cake, um, which is a card that's been. You know, I've suggested to run it before in Moonbeater before the mini set. It's an underrated card in general. Uh, and Moonbeater, yeah, it's it's competitive. And Drum Druid is also um, quite good right now. It, again, people don't care much about it. The problem with Drum Druid, though, is uh, the Warrior matchup is no longer favored, which is kind of what we expected. You know, Sanitize is a much better answer than Brawl. Again, uh, in that matchup, and uh, if you clear the Druid's board, then, you know, they can't beat the Warrior. It's harder. Uh, it, I think the matchup has gone to, like, 50-50 area uh, after the patch. So, Dr Drum Druid is good, but it's not as good as it was before. Uh, but, again, not much, not many people are playing. Most of the excitement is about uh, Miracle Druid. But I do think even if they nook Miracle Druid, Droid will be competitive thanks to Moonbeam and Drum. And Moonbeam is... I suspect that Moonbeam is going to be a player. At least at the top legend meta. Though I will say that Moonbeam Droid is much easier to play. For lower MMR players compared to Miracle Droid. You don't need to be a high MMR, big brain, galaxy brain player. To pilot Moonbeam Droid because the setup is quite straightforward. You just need to count damage. Count how many uh, spell damage minions died. How much does Undead Swarm, uh, um, you know, summon. And count your damage. And count your mana. And you should be okay. With Miracle Druid, it's a lot of APM intensive things that you need to do quickly before the rope burns out. Uh, discovery. Um, fizzle management. All sorts of weird stuff that that deck is doing. Uh, with Moonbeam, it's more straightforward. So, so Druid is a... Yogg has been really helpful. As expected, I expected two classes to benefit most from Yogg. Rogue and Druid, it's pretty it's pretty accurate. Uh, so, yeah. No longer Moonbeam Druid. And uh, I feel like I'm sensing a pattern here with the whole, uh, you know, Prison Breaker and Yogg package. Uh, it seems to be pretty impactful now that you've kind of thrown that out there as like players not quite playing enough of them yet. Yeah, I mean, Yaga, people are playing it because it's Yog. It's just a uh, Prison Breaker seems to be very underrated in decks that also run Yog. So I would try that out. Uh, by the way, people are trying um, Yog even in Warlock. They're putting it inside ETC in order to bypass. The problem with that is that Warlock is not very quick to discount Yog. Like, Yog is a good card if you can discount it quickly, but if you don't, then it's kind of not that great because it's it's too late. Uh, so putting it inside ETC, which is another four mana tax, right, to play Yogg, 
I'm not sure how that works. I'll look into it, but I'm not, I'm not convinced that that's the direction you should do. Like, Control Warrior is about as slow as it gets, really. Like, before Yogg starts to really fall off, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Like, mm. Warrior, and Warrior is pretty spell-heavy, too. It just doesn't fling spells in the way that Druid or, or Rogue, which Rogue is the fastest class to discount Yogg. You can have a free Yogg on, like, turn six, seven sometimes. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. Control Priest. Uh, priest in general. This is not the... I mean... It's not that hard to understand why this is not the ideal meta for Control Priest when there is a deck that can uh, kind of uh, OTK you on turn 5, 6. Though, surprisingly, that matchup is not that terrible. Uh, rats and Vipers, Zach. Rats and Vipers. Yeah, like they... they um, yeah, I guess so. There is disruption that the Control Priest can inflict. Um, but the thing is... Uh, there are other matchups that are also kind of a problem for Control Priest. Lethality is pretty high right now. Um, so yeah, Miracle Droid is slightly unfavored. Not that terrible. But then there's there's other stuff. There's like the Naga Mages, the, the Arcane Hunters. The Arcane Hunter is a big problem uh, for Priest, especially now that they have Celestial Shot. Uh, there's more reach and more damage that the Hunter can dish out. Control your matchup has also seems to have gotten worse um sanitize on paper may not seem like a card that changes that matchup that significantly but yog does like the fact that warrior runs yog uh probably has something to do with it like if you steal an amanthu that seems like something that can happen quite often in that matchup and that's a problem um uh, so yeah we're, control piece looks like tier three between tier three and tier four um and not not ideal for this for this meta in general and under priest is also not in a good position because under priest i think it's uh, already established people know that the matchup against control warrior is pretty terrible uh because it's a burn deck right it did get a new card which is Var varia soul burner varia and soul burner varia does seem like a good card in the archetype the problem is in for the warrior matchup that card almost doesn't matter uh warrior doesn't have difficulty clearing that one Bellowing Flames, uh, you know, can just board clear with Sanitize, can, can do all sorts of things to just invalidate the Varia. Uh, so that matchup has not gotten better, and it's very popular, because Warrior is very dominant, and that's not good for Undead Priest. So Priest, not in a great position in the format, even though, again, popularity, it's always going to be a fairly uh, high play rate class relative to its performance. Uh, Hunter, I mentioned Celestial Shot. Uh, you should probably run Celestial Shot. Again, Hunter is another Arcane Hunter and another deck that people are slow to put Celestial Shot in the deck. It's happening, but I'm seeing a significant amount of players that aren't even are running the same build as before the mini set. So no, you should add Celestial Shot. It's a really good card. The card you cut is often the question. Uh, it could be like an Astalor could make way for it. Uh, Krakenbane could make way for it. I'm hesitant to cut Krakenbane because of the Warrior matchup because you need as much damage as possible. But I don't think it's going to be too difficult to uh, find a space to accommodate Celestial Shot. Some people are cutting like 
uh, one Astalor and an, uh, a Star Power. Because Star Power is not very good against Warrior. They don't run a lot of minions, so you don't get a lot of value in that matchup. It's a defensive card. So they're they're just swapping like the Astalor. Astalor does give you damage, but it's kind of slow. Uh, by the time you, the Astalor is fully active, the Warrior has already played Odin and is ready to kill you. So maybe that's the solution. But I'll look into it. What are the two cards that you drop uh, for Celestial Shot? Celestial Shot looks like a good card in the deck. That's not a big surprise. It's, uh, it's in fact, a top three card in the deck. So you probably want to run oh, it. Oh, wow. It's extremely powerful. Yeah, it's extremely powerful. It just enables everything that you want to do with the deck. It really helps Eversong Portal. Like I'm noticing, Eversong Portal before the mini set was kind of a card, one of the weaker cards in the deck. Because you, you didn't have ways to consistently buff it. With Celestial Shot, you can just buff it, super buff it on curve, no problem, right? So, like, I'm seeing the metrics for Eversong Portal just spike because of the presence of Celestial Shot. So this is something that I've noticed. Uh, so Celestial Shot is just a glue card, makes every card in the deck better. This is why it's a top three card in the deck. Very, very powerful. Um, sometimes you just keep it in a mulligan even. Because it's so good with Eversong Portal uh, if you need that consistent swing in the mid-game. Uh, so yeah, it just helps the reach, helps everything that this deck wants to do. Uh, so Arcane Hunter, in terms of performance, it's a top two deck in the format up until top legend. Like everywhere on some ladder, I'm seeing the best performing decks are Control Warrior and Arcane Hunter. Those are the two. You look at Arcane Hunter's matchup spread, it's just as good as Control Warriors. It's arguably even better considering he doesn't even have a hard counter. The Warrior matchup is not easy. That matchup might be slightly unfavored for the Hunter. I do think that it gets better if you run Celestial Shot. You have more damage. Maybe you run Kraken Bane alongside Celestial Shot. So you have ways to just go face, go face hard, hard on the Warrior and break the armor gain. Um... But other than that, it does really well into everything else. The difference is that Arcane Hunter falls off at high MMRs. It's a deck that historically, over this expansion of notice, that he has a low skill ceiling. However, that low skill ceiling does not mean that it becomes bad at high MMRs. It just means that it becomes tier two. So objectively, when you look at its matchup spread and its performance, Arcane Hunter is a very likely nerf candidate because of how dominant it is through the large majority of ladder. And I would expect something to be done there because it's a deck that like, if I picked it, like the two best decks to climb the legend with right now are control warrior and arcane hunter, undisputedly the best decks, uh, again, everywhere except top legend. Those are the best decks. Those are the best decks. And there is a, there's a clear margin between them and the rest. Chad Warlock is very good, but it's good because of the control warrior matchup. Sometimes you run into the wrong matchups and not do well. Arcane Hunter is extremely consistent. It just, you queue up into a matchup and you're never going to say, oh, this is a bad matchup. No, because there's no, there's no such thing uh, as a bad matchup for the Arcane Hunter. So it's very impressive uh, and it's probably going to get nerfed because it's very powerful. Celestial Shot just... Puts it over the top. And considering that it's aggregated win rate, again, is this good? Despite the fact that maybe half the player base hasn't even bothered 
to put in Celestial Shot into the deck, then it's only going to get better. So probably something's going to be done there. Um, I would expect that. Yeah, I was uh, I was going to ask you exactly like what percentage because you were talking you know about how strong it is. And I was like, oh, you must mean it's like 80% of the players are still running Celestial. But no, 50% and it's still looking this good? That's crazy. It's... It, it's hard for me to say a number because it depends on the ranks. Like a top legend, everybody's running Celestial Shot, right? But at le- like Diamond, like I'm saying Diamond statistics, the play rate is around 50% of Celestial Shot. Uh, like uh, maybe even less. So it's it's kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, people just don't want to buy mini sets or something. But this is a common. Just craft it. What are you doing? Uh, uh, yeah, anyway, um, it's going to get nerfed for sure. Other hunter decks, Hound Hunter um, looks, you know, medium, kind of the usual. Didn't get anything new, right? So it's kind of um, mediocre at lower ranks and kind of bad at higher ranks. That's nothing new. Does it even exist? Does it even exist at higher ranks? Stack. That's what I need to know. Yeah, I mean, a play rate zero point five, something like that. It still exists. I can still see it. Mm-hmm. I don't have a good estimate for its performance. But I can tell that it falls off in performance. Like the thing that happens is that people like they can climb a bit, then they get to high MMR, they play Hound Hunter, they start losing and they stop playing the deck. Because they realize, yeah, I've hit a wall. So this is what often happens with Hound Hunter throughout ladder. Um there's a egg hunter. Uh and the egg hunter uh it obviously runs the new cards with like bestial madness and the twisted. Uh, Frostwing, and uh, you know, I saw those cards and I said, okay, this promotes this swarming, sticky hunter that runs eggs, and those are pretty cool cards for the deck. But you know, we were, I, I was skeptical whether that was enough support, and it seems like it's not enough support. The deck doesn't look like complete trash, but it's probably not good enough. Um, so I'll look into it. I'll try to make it better, maybe. But it's probably not not enough. Maybe it needs another like set of cards, maybe some more support, and it can get there. But it's definitely better than it used to be. Like the Swarm Hunter, saw experimentation early in this expansion, and just completely bombed. Now with these cards, it looks a little bit more playable, uh, and maybe even breaks like maybe it's even a tier three deck. Maybe, but not better than that, probably. But again, it sees very little play. Not all people are interested about in that archetype. So that's kind of it for Hunter. And now we talk about Mage. And Mage, Naga Mage, at high MMR, again, not as popular as Miracle Druid, but potentially just as powerful. Um... It's looking tier two at high MMR, not kind of what it was uh, before the mini set, because nothing changed about its build. Uh, but it, its matchup and its matchup spread is, hasn't gotten better. Like for example, the warrior matchup is not going to get better when I have sanitize now. But it's still a, a good deck at high MMR, and considering its play experience and the fact that it's been very popular for a long time, eh, I would expect it like. A patch that nerfs Miracle Druid is also going to nerf Naga Mage. It's very likely. Like the 
And the, the the main reason why Nagamage was not nerfed until now is because they didn't have a patch window to do so. And the last patch that they had, Nagamage was, I think, had a 5%. When they had to make the decision about the balance changes towards the end of August, Nagamage had like a 5% play rate, maybe at high MMRs. It was not overbearing. It was just this fringe deck that a small portion of the player base played. So. They didn't nerf it then. Now we have a balance window coming up. It's probably going to get nerfed now. Because again, it's more about the play experience of have, having, like, becoming an NPC opponent that just watches the opponent fling 25 cards a turn and sometimes get killed on the same turn. Not as consistently as Miracle Druid, but Nagamage can still do that. Um, Rainbow Mage, not so hot right now. The reason the matchup against Control Warrior is really bad. And doesn't allow it to be better than a tier 3 performer. So I am hoping that if they nerf Naga Mage, they nerf Siren. They just, just nerf Siren. Don't nerf other things that Mage have. Mage has as a class. Because if you do, you're going to... Like Rainbow Mage, which is already not a particularly strong deck right now, is going to get hit, hit with collateral damage. Is going to get even worse. In Rainbow Mage, we know this is one of the most memorable decks in the expansion. This is the deck that people really enjoy playing. This is a deck that is not does not have an egregious play pattern other than being able to OTK. Uh, but the OTK is pretty late. And it's the rest of its game plan is pretty harmless. Uh, it plays a pretty fair game of Hearthstone. So I would like them to not nerf that deck and keep it viable. Just deal with Naga Mage. Naga Mage, fine. Like, Naga Mage is not okay uh, in terms of play experience. So you can deal with that and just nerf Siren. Yeah, and as you said, like, uh, if they're going after Miracle Druid, the same reasons, probably at just a less extreme uh, level, uh, do apply to why you'd want to nerf Naga Mage. So it seems likely if they're doing one, they're doing the other. Um, yeah, I mean, like, last patch we got was just going after Hunter purely, like, on the 30th. Um, and the one before that, uh, Naga Mage was, Naga Mage was probably still held a little bit in check by Hunter, right? Like, that wasn't necessarily the best matchup. The meta as a whole didn't really allow Naga Mage to thrive that much. But I do imagine, like, they keep hearing the complaints. The complaints build up over time. Usually they're willing to let stuff go for a little bit. But, you know, players get sick of stuff. And they, they kind of want to eventually let players do something different. Uh, especially when it has, like, play pattern concerns like this. Yeah, if you have a deck with play pattern concerns, then if it's not too popular then and not too powerful, then you might address it. And it is true that Naga Mage was kind of held back by Hunter. Uh, and it's it, it's be since that patch in the 30th of August, it has become more popular and more powerful. And it seems to not go anywhere. So it's probably a good time to deal with it. Uh, you know, and this is the the... The next balance window that they have is this week, so it's probably gonna happen. Um, yeah, so that's it. That's that's for Mage and uh, Death Knight is a class. <laughs> I, I know there's some funny stuff happening here, so this is gonna be good. There's some weird stuff. There's some weird stuff going on with Death Knight. So first of all, the mini set completely forgettable. Like the mini set did nothing for Death Knight uh, and. Uh, like these cards just I, I looked at these cards and said what, is, what do they do and they do pretty much nothing 
Um, so definitely did not get help in that respect. But there are all sorts of weird stuff happening in the meta that is causing Death Knight to get some relevance, some strange relevance. And the main thing is, is that Plague Death Knight, despite being a pretty garbage deck <laughs> on paper, it's pretty garbage, happens to counter Miracle Druid. <laughs> That's yep. what it does. Well, it has one card. I think it has one card that counters it. That's Hellia. That card. Yeah. That's the one. If you find Hellia before they go off with their miracle turn, and they basically have infinite plagues in their deck, especially the frost type that, you know, cause the cards to cost more mana, and you just disrupt their miracle turn, then Plague Death Knight can definitely beat the Miracle Druid uh, and overwhelm them with plagues. And the other thing is that the, there's a new iteration of Plague Death Knight that goes harder on countering Miracle Druid by running Glacial Shard and Viper. Ugh. So, and, and you can hear Corb already getting, getting annoyed. But the good news, Corb, is that the report is only coming up when the deck already gets nerfed. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, but if you want Plague Death Knight to really counter the Miracle Druid, you run Glacier Shard and Vipers. Um, and that seems to work well for Plague Death Knight at Top Legend. Now, remember, Plague Death Knight is a deck with a low skill count. It's a deck that falls off at higher levels of play. Its matchup spread gets worse. However, that matchup is so good that it kind of carries it. And also, Plague Death Knight with Glacier Shard is also good against Control Warrior. Like, maybe you have the slightest of edges against Control Warrior. So if you hold strong against Control Warrior and you beat Miracle Druid, there's a strange, you know, pocket format there that allows this deck to be viable. Now, it's bad against other stuff. Macro, bad. The Arcane Hunter, that matchup is bad. Uh, matchups like Naga Mage, Miracle Rogue. These matchups are not good. Plague Death Knight is an objectively garbage deck. You look at its matchup spread, it's garbage. Like, it loses hard to a lot of meta decks. However, the Miracle Druid matchup and the fact that it can hold it hold together, hold it together against Control Warrior makes it a, a strangely effective pocket choice at Top Legend. And, and that's pretty much it. That's what it can do. Otherwise, it's not a good deck. You're playing at Diamond Ranks. You don't run into Miracle Druid. Don't play this deck. It makes no sense on these ranks. Uh... And Blood Control Death Knight, also really bad deck. You, you don't play it. It doesn't even have a pocket meta. There is no format. At Top Legend, it gets even worse. Uh, Blood Control Death Knight gained nothing from this mini set, so it's bad. But there's also other developments in the aggressive direction of Death Knight. So Unholy is fine. Like if you run the, you know, the standard normal build of uh, Unholy Aggro Death Knight, the deck is okay. It's okay. It's playable. It's competitive. People don't care for it uh, because it's old, kind of old. Some people find it boring. They don't play it, but it's a good deck. It's the best performing deck for Death Knight. But there's another aggressive deck, which is the Frost Death Knight, which seems to be coming back. But it's coming back in a very weird form. It's coming back in mech form. It's playing mechs, Corp. 
this is what I expected. This is what I expected. I expected the best mech decks from this expansion from this year to be Death Knight and Rogue. Um, absolutely. And no, no one can go check any review that I did about any of the cards to double check that. Click Clocker, Oscillator, Mistake. They run, you run, <laughs> you run Replicating Menace because it's a corpse generator for a Marrow Manipulator, right? Yep. That's what Frost Death Knight is doing. So it's, it's, it's Frost Mech Death Knight. And that list looks pretty good. Because it's counters Miracle Droid. Um, it's another counter to Miracle Droid. Um, that's what it does. And it's also like... It's it's a Frost aggressive deck. So it's at the match... The rest of its matchup is not terrible. And it can pressure pretty well. And again, it's a mech deck. But it has a lot of off-board damage. Because of uh, Frost from Fury. Because of Mera Manipulator. Uh, because of Mitomenethil. So, yeah, Frost, Mech, Death Knight looks quite okay. Looks like a reasonably competitive deck um, that also counters Druid at high MMRs. I'm not sure, though, like, Frost is a notoriously low-skill cap deck. So, I'm not sure whether that's worth running in Top Legend in order to counter the Miracle Druid. If you want to counter Miracle Druid, I think a better choice is Plague. I can't believe I'm saying it, but yeah. That's a sentence. That's a sentence. Uh, guys, always go for Plague Death Knight instead of Mech uh, uh, Death Knight, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah, That that's it for Death Knight. So Death Knight seems more meta-relevant right now um, than it was before the miniset, but it's, it's not thanks to the new cards. It's just strange occurrences. Like the, the Mech Death Knight, the Frost Mech Death Knight doesn't even run new cards. You could have played it at any point earlier in the mini set, so it's like a late discovery. Somebody decided to play it. I would bet that somebody from who 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 came up with this. I don't know. We need to research. We need to find out who made that deck list. But anyway, it works. It's okay. Uh, Paladin. So Paladin Corb. You know, let's let's start with the board. Pure looks fine. Uh, like the pure dude build. Performs well on ladder. It's okay. There's less warlocks, so Paladin's position hasn't gotten worse. If you're running into less defiles, then it's pretty good. Against Warrior, you have a better chance. Yes, sanitize can be rough, but um and it does like it did make that matchup worse compared to before the mini set. But at least there are less warlocks. So so it's a it's a decent enough trade-off. It's not too bad. Uh, you can you can definitely climb with pure paladin. It's a decent deck, and obviously it's gonna fall off. Maybe at high levels, will play a bit more uh, because because uh, of the low skill ceiling that it has. But there's other stuff going on that I'm curious about, which is first of all, big paladin looks much better than it was before the mini set. Looks much more competitive relatively to what it was before it got. You know, some of these new cards uh, like Alarm Security Bot and Keeper Strength. The problem is that even though the win rate spiked, it was so bad before that this might not be enough, right? This might, like Big Paladin might still be a tier 4 deck. It's just instead of like a bottom tier 4 deck, it's an upper tier 4 deck. It looks much more uh, competitive 
I would run Chad package, front lines, Yog. This is the direction with Rivender. This is what you do uh, with uh, with Big Paladin right now. I might even feature a decklist for it because it's, again, it's close. It's getting closer than it was before. Alum Security Body is a really good card for it. The other uh, direction is the Earthen Paladin direction. And Earthen Paladin looks even more promising. Um, there are builds that are more proactive in nature with early game, with eggs. The reason why you run Foul Egg is because of Keeper Strength. Because it's a, like you play an er turn one and the opponent doesn't really want to clear it. So you have a sticky card that you can, you can buff it with Keeper Strength. Um, it also works well with Hand of Adult. You're proactive. Your early game is more proactive than running equality and stuff like that. You don't run equality. You run boogie down. You run a proactive early game curve. And then you top out your deck with earthens. And that seems to be a stronger direction. Now, is earthen paladin good? No. I don't think it's good enough. But it's really close. Like, I'm not sure. Like it's, it's become from like a clear tier 4 garbage. To a deck that, you know what? Maybe it's tier 3. Maybe we fix some of the things in its current iteration and we make it even better than that. There's more hope uh, uh, with this archetype now. And I, a lot of it has to do with Keeper Strength. Uh, that card uh, provides a, a good comeback potential for the archetype. Um, but again, you go early proactivity rather than equality and like play defensively. Tempo good. That makes sense. Um, yeah, I'm kind of like looking at the list now. It looks like there are some real clear points of potential improvement uh, from what I can see. There's some cute stuff that I, I can say like a Pelican Diver. And I guess the idea is like Pelican Diver being guaranteed set up for the Keeper Strength. But um, ETC, Audio Medic, there's probably like some changes that we can be making to the Earthen Paladin. But that's really exciting to hear, you know, from a deck that I had completely written off. An archetype that I thought had absolutely zero chance. The fact that you're pointing out saying it's close. Uh, it's interesting. It's quite close. Like the sample size is pretty low. I'd like to see more data on Earthen Paladin, but based on the low sample, it does seem like a deck that's kind of close to being competitive. Uh, uh, there's definitely some 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 potential here. So I'm excited about it. I've always wanted to try out Earthen Paladin. Uh, it's a deck that's uh, to me is pretty flavorful. With the with the class, like I'm not a paladin player, but the deck that I did enjoy in the past was Libram Paladin. I could play that for a bit, uh, and Keeper Strength kind of gives me the same kind of vibe of like a scaling package, um, for the class that gives it some late game, and the fact that you can be more proactive in the early game if you play a more proactive curve, it fits the threats of the Earthens better because instead of being defensive and then playing like one Earthen. Uh, you're playing proactively and you're pressuring your opponent and you're complementing that pressure with the earthens, the scaling earthens. It's like almost like a, you're playing an initiative-focused deck that presses the opponent from the start of the game and uses earthens as additional threats. It makes sense. Um, and the fact that the earthen package did get buffed means that that pressure can come off on curve pretty, pretty fast. So I like that. I like that direction for uh, Earthen Paladin. I'm not sure it's competitive right now enough, 
but it's something and i'll work on it for sure with this report um yeah and, and that's kind of it for paladin shaman um nothing really new or exciting is happening in shaman there were attempts to run like a yog shaman kind of deck uh but those attempts don't seem to be very good the idea is to you know play from the other side and rivendare and golganeth yog and you play prescience right um so you tutor your late game pieces but that direction seems to be unplayable nature shaman seems fine like nothing changed about nature shaman uh, it didn't really get an additional new card that you really want to run conductivity is not really a card that fits that archetype uh, so it, it didn't get stronger but it seems to be playable and okay uh mostly at high mmrs and then totem shaman is playable you know outside of top legend it looks like a reasonable deck but Shaman didn't really get anything new from the mini set that's exciting, and this is why its player is very low. And another class that seems to be getting low interest, and it's been a consistent theme throughout this expansion, is Demon Hunter. Uh, and, you know, Relic Demon Hunter seems to have gotten worse. Uh, you know, other, other um, archetypes, like Warrior, got boosted in the late game. Like, their late game is... is is stronger now uh, that matchup is harder with sanitize in available for the warriors toolkit that card is really important for the demon hunter matchup to be able to deal with their massive threats the relic of phantasms threats and uh, zymux so that matchup seems to have gotten worse uh in addition to that relic did tank its aggregated win rate a bit because some there's some uh not optimal builds that have popped up because of the new cards. There are relic demon hunters that try to win with damage through momentum and uh, serenite shambler kind of deal. Uh, and that doesn't seem to be working out very well. Even though it's one list that runs prison breaker and yog. Basically, it's an attempt to incorporate yog in a more spell heavy shell or uh, relic demon hunter. Because Yogg, you can't really put it in the standard Relic Demon Hunter deck. Because it doesn't have a lot of spells. You don't discount Yogg. So there's an attempt to add spells and it's terrible. So the aggregated win rate of uh, Relic Demon Hunter kind of tanked. The normal build, the normal build is okay, but still worse than it was before the mini set. So Relic Demon Hunter lost steam. And nobody wants to run Outcast Demon Hunter. And Outcast Demon Hunter also probably got worse because of Sanitize. Uh, like it's a it, Sanitize is a classic card that beats a deck like Outcast Demon Hunter, right? So the increased popularity of Warrior and that matchup getting worse uh, has pushed out Outcast, whatever was left of it. And you have a situation, you know, Spell Demon Hunter has seen experimentation, but all the spell iterations that I've seen look terrible. People run Spell Demon Hunter with Yogg, right? It makes sense. It's an idea. But that idea has a win rate in the 30s. So Yeah, I I can't imagine you can even think about queuing up Spell Demon Hunter in a warrior meta. Uh, I mean, it has other problems, but that's that's a big problem. Yeah, because you're damage-based. Your win condition is about dealing damage. When you're dealing with a deck that has <laughs> insane armor gain, you're not getting it done. 
So yeah, the win rate is in the high 30s for Spell Demon Hunter right now, uh, which means it's unplayable. Um, yeah, and Yogg doesn't help with that because Yogg is a controlling card. It doesn't really give you juice to close out games in a way like the tendrils are not. I'm not going to get there against Warrior, as you can see from the Miracle Rogue matchup too. So, uh, Demon Hunter looks kind of bad. Uh, Relic is playable, but worse and uh, not very eventful. So that's kind of it for the format. Um, again, I fully expect balance changes uh, coming late this week. Uh, probably around the same time as the report comes out. I do want to say something about patch cadence um balance patches in hearthstone because there's been a lot of discussion a lot of criticism the team five got for their patch cadence or stuff like that and some of them is some some of that criticism is very valid but some of it i think is uh, is a bit off base um balance patches in hearthstone is extremely predictable i said before uh there's a content patch content patches usually don't have balance patch balance changes inside them there was one expect exception this expansion where they managed to squeezing balance patches in a content patch normally balance patches are going to occur again eight to ten days or at most 14 days after a content patch there's a content patch usually happens tuesday the balance patch is going to be happening could be wednesday thursday friday or the Tuesday after, uh, two weeks after. That that's that's how it works. It's very easy to predict. It's very often every expansion this happens where you have the balance patch of the first phase of the expansion come out. Usually it's the second. For this expansion it was the third patch, right? Because they had a, a balance patch inside a content patch. The last balance patch was the thirtieth of August, and after that. If there's a mini set, then there's a time window of about a month where you cannot have balance patches. I guess there is a technical limitation to implementing additional balance patches. Remember that this is not just a video game. Hearthstone also a mobile game. Every patch goes through Apple, the Apple Store. There's all sorts of logistics there. You can't just do balance patches every week. Now, when it comes to the standard meta before the mini set, the standard meta was pretty solid. It was pretty good. The mini set comes in. Obviously, new cards come in, new imbalances can form. And you have a patch a little over a week later in order to address that. In terms of standard, I really don't see a problem with how Team 5 handled standard balance. There was no big issue. Uh, all the discussion about Naga Mage this and Naga Mage that. Again, there was a window. In the previous window, Naga Mage did not seem to merit balance changes. Now it might merit those changes. It's probably going to get changed. And the fact that the one of Team 5 members tweeted about Miracle Droid does not mean that we're not nerfing Naga Mage too. So that's going to get sorted. However, the specific balance cadence exposed was exposed in one particular format which is twist what ended up happening is that because twist is a monthly release it didn't line up well with the balance window 
right? The last balance patch that was available was 30th of August, right? And the, pat, the, the format launched on September 1st. And the next balance patch is going to happen end of September. So the problem was that they released Twist in a month that they knew because of the mini set. Because you can't put balance patch, you can't put balance changes in a mini set patch. Because the mini set has, it's a massive content patch. So there's probably a limitation to doing that. So they released Twist knowing that they had no balance patch window. Now, that is a problem by itself. Maybe they shouldn't have done that. Maybe they should have released it in a month where they knew they had a patch window to fix Twist because they're releasing a new format. It's expected that things are going to break, that there might be broken things in that format. It's an old format. You buffed a ton of cards. Who knows what's going to happen? But they ended up releasing that format in that situation. And that was not ideal. You can definitely argue that this was probably unwise to do. I don't know. I can't speculate about their older considerations. But if you release a new format with the amount of changes that you've done to you know old and outdated cards, you got to have a patch window. Maybe you should have reserved a specific, a special patch window for that format this month. But obviously, they couldn't have done that. It's pretty clear, based on tweets from Team 5 designers, is that they ideally would have liked that option to be to exist. But they probably had some limitations there. So, I don't know. Release it early. Maybe they should have released it in August 22nd when the, when the, uh, when the patch came out. Because, you know, it's not like they had a patch on September 1st to release Twist. Twist was in the game files in the content patch of August 22nd. So maybe just release Twist at that period. Don't release it September 1st. Release it August 22nd, right? Have like a week of like, I don't know, beta for uh, uh, Wonders format and see if there are issues and then change them by August 30th. And then you launch Twist September 1st with the first the full month. And after you made some changes, like Chamber, for example, right? So uh, they probably could have done better there. For Standard, I don't think there's much to complain about. For Wild, Wild is a rough format that's always going to have a lot of imbalances. Uh, and in Wild, they usually wait more time before addressing things. So Wild players often uh, uh, are more fatigued by experiences. But that's kind of a na the nature of wild format, that it's going to have more imbalances. Solitaire decks are going to stay longer there. And this is why Core plays wild, because this is the decks that he likes. Um, to a degree. I mean, there's a reason I'm not playing wild right now, <laughs> but yes. Yeah. But in general, the patch cadence for Hearthstone is pretty decent. There are some windows where you have a month without a balance patch. I think that's okay when it comes to the mini set timing. When it comes to standard, it was not really a problem. The problem was Twist, the release of Twist. The fact that Twist is monthly means it's not going to line up perfectly for patch cadence. And If you're releasing a new format in that time, then you had a problem there. So 
Uh, and, and for that, probably Team 5 do deserve criticism. You're releasing a new format and you don't, you know, knowing that you don't have a patch there, unwise. I would have done this differently. Uh, but when it comes to the rest of the stuff that they usually do, very predictable. And I think that because it's so easy to predict when balance changes occur, if you guys learn to know when that's going to happen, maybe you're going to be less frustrated about, about the fact that a patch isn't happening yet, right? Because right. if a mini set is arriving, you know, balance changes are going to happen eight days after the mini set, nine days after the mini set. They're not going to happen when the mini set launches. So, so yeah, um, align your expectations around that kind of patch cadence and you're going to be less frustrated. And I don't think any, there's anything wrong with their patch cadence when it comes to standard format. Twist adds a problem that you have to consider in the future. Yeah, uh, once the mini set was announced for when it was announced, I just mentally checked off and I said, oh, okay, the next patch is on the 28th. Um, just because the, you know, like there was no time for it. It just had to be the 28th, basically, in my head. Um, and I, I think that is a huge problem. Like, I, I think that, you know, I don't know the exact dates that you could have done. Maybe you could have done, um, you know, like the the 31st is when twist content or whatever, then you have a patch window like on the 14th and then the mini set comes out on like the 26th. Like uh, that way you go like bounce patch, then content, you push the mini set back. For example, I don't know the logistics of why they didn't do that, but they did it this way. And I, I like, it's hard to be 100% critical when we don't know everything going on behind the scenes. But I mean, we have to react to what we're given. We, we, we can only talk about the frustrations that we as a consumer are provided with because ultimately as consumers... It isn't necessarily our job to think about all the logistics behind the scenes. We just have to judge the product and the timing that we are provided with. And if it pissed you off, then that's valid because it is kind of Absolutely. ridiculous. It is kind of ridiculous that there is new content that is put out for this new game mode, this new game mode that you're pushing, and even even related to Wild, the quote-unquote first ever straight-to-Wild set that was actually basically for Twist and not really made for Wild, but that's not a whole other thing. Um, and then the next patch window is like a month later, uh, especially when we're pushing these cards that uh, 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 seemed very clearly broken, like pre-release, and it has basically destroyed the first entire season of Twist, uh, the official launch. It's completely valid. It's, it's absolutely valid. Like, imagine... They release an expansion, a standard expansion, and their next balance patch is like a month later. It's absurd, right? It would be absurd if they did that. So why did they do it for Twist? That is completely valid criticism. Uh, absolutely. Like if you release a new format or you release new cards, you have to set a balance patch at least two weeks in, if not even earlier, to deal with all sorts of unexpected problems because when you're releasing so many new cards, there's always going to be, it's very statistically likely that something's going to go wrong. So it's not just that they release an expansion, basically release new content and had a patch a month after they knew about it. They did this knowingly. Now, maybe uh, again, I hate to speculate, but it seems to me like they were, it's almost like, like, I, I hate to speculate, but it feels like they were kind of uh, maybe felt the need to release content, right? When you're when you when you're a game designer, or where you're you're a team of game design, you're often uh, uh, sort of encouraged, 
I don't want to say pressured, but encouraged to put out more content out there as soon as possible and get sales in and get stuff in. Right? So if you delay things, then internally, maybe it looks, it's looked at in a negative light, right? But it's better to wait on something and make it successful rather than push it early and doom yourself because they basically doom twist. When you release an expansion, new content, you don't let a balance patch happen a month later. You've already doomed the content. This is a card game. Something's going to be broken. Like, absolutely. Like, and again, the easiest example is imagine they release Titans as an expansion on August 1st and the first balance patch happened on the 28th of August. Would that be absurd? Absolutely. Right? That would absolutely be absurd. And that deserves all the criticism. I'm not disputing that. I will say that when it comes to maybe being able to communicate your frustration better, uh, it's good that you have knowledge of what's going to happen. Like if you know, like if, if you're like, if it's the beginning of September and you see that the mini set is coming, you're like, okay, there's not going to be a balance patch. The balance patch is only going to be late in the month. We need to talk about that, right? We need to give feedback on that. We need to tell team five, Hey, team five, you can't release content and have a balance patch a month later. This is not okay. But, uh, just, you know, putting yourself in a position where you don't know, and you don't know when to expect a patch and you're playing a format that's broken and you don't enjoy it. And then you quit it and you keep screaming for patches when, you know, you're basically screaming at a wall because that patch is not going to happen. Uh, because you know, the people who are in charge of balance are not in charge of when the patches occur. Like they can't, they can't just manifest a patch. Yeah. I like, I, I keep, I keep saying people say things like, oh, we're nerfing auctioneer and yet we haven't even nerfed chamber. And it's like, guys, they're in the same patch. Like that, that isn't the issue. It isn't that they don't want to nerf chamber. That is the first opportunity. That is the first opportunity they have to nerf chamber. This week is the first opportunity that they have to nerf chamber. The criticism is not that they're, it's not like team five are looking at chamber and they're saying, oh, this card's fine. We don't need to nerf it. We can wait until the end of the month. Yeah. Right. No. It's very likely that they looked at chamber on the the beginning of the month and they said, oh my God, this card's broken. We uh, can't 20 touch minutes, it. 20 minutes in, 20 minutes into this. Yeah. <laughs> they said, oh, we, I'm pretty sure that they all said to themselves, oh, this is messed up. Yeah. We did an oopsie. This is messed up. Yeah. We did an oopsie and we can't fix it until the end of the month. What are we going to do? I'm saying this is probably their perspective. Now, again, you can totally criticize the fact that the patch happened so late. Absolutely. They should not do this. They should not release new content like that. Uh, but at least if you have that perspective and you understand that Team 5 are not here to intentionally sabotage their own formats, right? At least we can have a better level of communications uh, and be less toxic about it. That's all I'm saying. So... Um, so yeah, definitely lessons will be learned here and I'm hoping that they don't repeat this. Uh, and if there is a situation where twist does not line up well with balance cadence, they need to adjust to it. They need to find a way to adjust to it. And if they can't delay it or change it or rotate, cause twist is a rotating format, put a safer format in a, in a, in a month where the balance cadence are, is not there. Right. The. 
there shouldn't there shouldn't be pressure for twist to be month to month the first of the 31st like if it needs to be six weeks for a format or something so balance patches line up better that is a better solution than just like clean cutting one month to the next yeah i think what they probably could have done it did they could have just pressed the unbutton on twist on august 22nd or on the 14th or on like the 14th of september oh and then like done it from there yeah yeah like press the button at a timing that allows you to 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 patch the game uh in a reasonable time frame uh because the twist format was in the game files since august 22nd they just clicked the button that they pressed the on turn on september 1st so yeah be a bit more flexible about it if 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 that allows so this is what i wanted to say again i'm not defending team five for this this is not okay this was not okay uh what happened here uh but I do want to give some perspective in order to encourage more positive communications uh, between the community and Team 5 because some of the things that have been said have been overly toxic or, um, you know, criticizing them for the wrong things, I think. Uh, or giving them feedback that's not going to be helpful. That's, that's, that's what I'm going to say. Uh, anyway, that's it uh, for this podcast. We're going to have a, the next podcast is going to be next weekend. We'll see when, uh, but the report coming up on the 28th, expect a balance patch probably on that day, but there will be, I promise you, a lot of very important insights on multiple archetype that you're probably going to want to read regardless of the, what the deck are performing currently, uh, in, in this, in this format right now. Mm-hmm. And if uh, anyone wants to read another report in the meantime, reminder again that there was the twist report out on the, I believe, the 21st. So if you want to go read about the shit show and the absolute chaos is, it makes for some very hilarious reading. Um, it's like it's like if there was a, the mid-range shaman meta, except there's like four mid-range shamans. It's uh, it's very funny. Um, <laughs> so, so look forward to that. Anyway, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. As always, you can support VS by signing up on Patreon or VS Gold. You get a whole bunch of sweet perks. You get access to the Zacco Lab, where you get all the insights so much earlier and uh, all the hot deck lists and all the hot tech uh, before anyone else. So great source there. Uh, you can always come join the Discord uh, or follow ViciousHS on Twitter. Thank you to Evil Dave for the podcast transcriptions, to Steven Sensei for the intro and outro. We'll see you next time. Hope you have a great day. Bye. The Data Reaper Podcast is an official production of Vicious Syndicate. Don't forget to sign up and contribute your game data to improve the quality of the weekly Data Reaper report. Instructions are available on our website, along with lots of other weekly content at viciousyndicate.com. Thank you to all of our patrons and data contributors for proving their strength in numbers.